The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Hey, Rockheads, take your Brett Favre not-dead-yet pills and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 586 with guest Scott Stanfield, recorded live Monday, June 28, 2010. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter, and now offering SharePoint 2007 video training with Sahil Malik on DVD, in our TV style. Order your copy now at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. And now... Man who's more fun than Dr. Laura on This Is Your Life, Carl Franklin. Hey, we're back. It's Carl and Richard, and Scott Stanfield is out there. Hey, Scott. Yeah. Where are you? I'm in a Starbucks in Georgetown, Texas. Georgetown, where? Texas. Texas. He's out of his element. What are you doing in Texas, yeah, where, Northern in California Texas? boy? Well, I can't get a Starbucks in California, so I thought I'd come out here. <laughs> Can I get a to-go cup? You know, I believe that about you, the guy who showed up to the road trip uh, talk in a limo. Yeah, yeah. And the first words out of your mouth was, where am I? And the second words were, let me get my iPad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, too funny. I'm, I'm- I'm actually on a long-distance IT call. I flew out to help my mom and my sister with her computers. No. Oh, that's so nice. Seriously. Uh, Seriously. It's almost cliche. It really is, but to actually fly. So I guess it's the equivalent. Wow, this could be really gross, but it's like an IT booty call. Nice. <laughs> an IT booty call. Yeah. So you... They're asking me what radio show I'm on. I don't really have the heart to tell them. I don't know. <laughs> Can you read that? Um. But they're not going to have access anyway. No, no it's. I mean, it's. It's. It's honestly. It's. I mean, aside from the fact that I'm a good son, I need to visit my mom anyway. Right. It's a heck of a lot easier to fly out and just fix it in person. So I have a, a fun little side. So this morning or last night, I'm trying to migrate files onto a hard drive. You know, so think about it. If you're going to fly out and you're going to migrate files, you're going to bring a hard drive, right? Right. You're going to bring yeah. a USB hard drive and get it all properly transferred. Right. Well, what I didn't realize is that this old Dell doesn't support USB 2.0. Oh, man. Holy cow. How long Ouch. did it take to copy? Well, I, the drive didn't support USB 2, uh, 2.0. It's a modern drive. Oh. Like a, gig, a gig drive. So I'm like scrounging. I'm like, Mom, do you have any 
computer cables, just anything. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thinking MacGyver. She goes, well, I got like this box of random stuff, and I go out, and there's a network cable. So then I start hacking on the network cable, but XP's freaking out, and so that doesn't work. And I finally, I finally realized it was obvious. I had to go into the BIOS and disable the, DM, uh, the Ultra DMA. You know, who, who would not think of that? Uh, that's so yeah, obvious. totally obvious. Yeah, I, I don't know why you didn't start there. I was getting delayed write errors, and I think what it was is that the hard drive was so fast, and I was transferring so much data that XP just didn't understand, and I got this weird error. There was no way that it supported SATA, right? So you yeah. couldn't just take the drive out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I've got a bad network card, and I've got the you know the USB 1.0, and then it's freaking out because the drive's too big. Like, it just really shows you that you can't stay behind on upgrades. No. And heaven forbid, I mean, if she had uh, Windows XP Service Pack 2 or less, it would have been worse because they said that there's like a file size limitation or something. Why don't you just go to Best Buy and get a USB 2 PCI card or something? I know, but I was trying to make do with what was in the house, you know. Living off the land. (laughs) All right. Sorry to spoil your fun time there. Yeah, Uh, no. I like this living off the land strategy, though. It's pretty classic. Grounds, whatever we have. Yeah, just find out. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. This is, I mean, this could be a whole topic for the show. And I don't know if people are going to not like me, but I i got her a MacBook Pro. Really? Her off of, yeah, she's going from XP to MacBook Pro. That's like going from the Bronze Age to the, I don't know, the Information Age. Yeah. All in one jump. And it's, uh, but, you know, it's for what she uses. She goes to Starbucks, which I was at right now, pre-configuring the wireless. Right. She's got That's why you were at Starbucks? You were at Starbucks to set her wireless up in advance in the Starbucks. Am I not a good son or what? That's awesome. That is the best son thing I've ever heard. I got to mail you a gold (laughs) star. That's incredible. That is above and beyond. Well, it's like doing IT on the moon. You can only go back occasionally right so do it all on the other hand yeah. you've now hooked her up with an apple so she goes to the apple store from now on and talks to the nice young man there absolutely there, <laughs> there was actually there was we, we went to the apple store yesterday and remember this is the day after uh so uh, see, the, the iphones went on sale thursday right so we went to the apple store in austin texas on a friday right and they still had the remnants of um the lines they had water bottles and they had umbrellas um, they had like these big black umbrellas that they were passing out, I guess, because it's bloody hot here. Right. They were passing out? They're, yeah. But this is the next day after the phones were already gone, <laughs> and um, they actually had, it was like trying to get into a nightclub. They had, essentially they had cops, a bouncer, and you could only get in the store if you could tell them what you're coming in for. Like you couldn't come in and browse. They literally said to somebody, sorry, sir, the store is closed to browsing. You had to know what you were going in for because it was so bloody crowded. And they were already sold out of iPhones. Wow. Yeah. Did you read today, totally, speaking of non-sequiturs, that the Supreme Court struck down Sarbanes-Oxley? Are you kidding me? That's good. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and That's good. totally serious, and it just happened a few hours ago. Yeah. Wow. That Almost. was the make-work program for the post.com era. Well, and it, Sox, yeah, and it Sox wasn't even interesting work. IT work. No, it was terrible work. It was, it was terrible this, work. It, it was... I mean, I understand what the intent was, but it was, yeah. Well, they're probably striking it down because of paving way for even more regulation <laughs> with uh, the financial reforms, but interesting. Well, yeah, Pat, not, Pat Hines isn't going to be happy about that because he made a lot of money on socks. 
telling me it was just make work. Yeah. It was uh, in- innovation through regulation. God, I sound like a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> you so, know what? That's what three days in Texas will do to you. Here you go. <laughs> got a gun rack in the back of your car. But they got good barbecue, man. <laughs> they do. I am and, driving a Cadillac. And great music. Right no, no kidding. Have you got horns on the hood? <laughs> the horns were extra. They didn't come with horns. <laughs> but I have, I have had my share of barbecue. And last night we went to the Catfish Parlor, I was going to say, does when you when you blow the horn on the cat, he does go. That would be Alabama. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you're right. You're right. That's where the Dukes were from. Oh, it's too funny. So, why did you get her a MacBook? We just walked past that little one there, but yeah, a couple things. It's uh, trivial to administer remotely. Okay. Very, very easy to log in remotely, um, and it's got there's there's a mode on the Mac called Simple Finder that is makes it really, really easy for her to, to do. She only does three things. And, and I bet for all your listeners, 90% of your parents do the same thing. They check email, they surf the web, and they do something with photos. That's it. And then maybe do a little bit of writing. Right. And you just don't need, I don't need the, the overhead and hassle of ministering a Windows 7 box remotely when she wants to have the mobility and the dependability of uh, you know, this Apple hardware. Now, she still can, honestly, I, this is going to be awkward because I'm going to tell you a story with her in the car, so I hope she's not offended. Come here, mom. But she was, I don't know if it's, I mean, this is her first wireless device, but she was looking at the, the battery life, the remainder battery life, and had that confused with how much internet time we had remaining. Ah, okay. So there's some certain basic concepts, like you don't have to plug in the computer to get wireless. She was down to 85% of, battery, uh, of uh, internet left? Yeah, that was, we were almost done with the internet. I mean, to be fair, you only get two hours of Starbucks anyway, which, by the way, changes That's on me. July 1st. On July 1st in the U.S., all the Wi-Fi at Starbucks is free. Right. Uh, how often do people call you Scott Stansfield, and why do they feel they have to add the S? I never heard... Well, there was this singer in the 80s named Lisa Stansfield. I don't know. I, and they probably, and she and her family probably wonder why... They call her Lisa Stanfield. Um, <laughs> I get used to it. Now, what's really eerie is that ni- if someone is going to mess up my first name 95% of the time without fail, well, I guess with 5% fail, it's Steve. They think my name is Steve, and the other 5% is Stan. So I guess Scott is close enough to Steve syllabically. But this is great content, guys. Yeah, and it's That's awesome. Exactly what Stan Scottsfield. I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, did you do World Cup or not? Uh, no, that's uh, World Cup is in the in the U.S. The rights go through ESPN, and okay. ESPN is a Disney company. So, ABC and Disney and ESPN are all um, in the the throes of Google and YouTube and Flash. So, we did not do that. However, there is another sporting event, believe it or not. And now that the U.S. has been ingloriously knocked out again by the Ghanaians, uh, there is another sporting event. It's called Wimbledon, I've and heard we it. are. We are taking care of Wimbledon. Wow. So if you go to NBCSports.com and click on the live video link at the top, you'd be doing me a huge favor. I want uh, NBC to see as much traffic as they can possibly get. Uh, also, when you download this, you, you'll actually see a nice little created by Vertigo on the splash screen, which we've finally realized that something good to negotiate for. You guys are unstoppable. It's, it turns out Silverlight for live streaming videos is a pretty good thing. Um, I do think that's that's one of the ongoing strengths that we're going to have with Silverlight. Hey, 
Mom, are you allowed to use a phone in the car? Because there's a cop. I don't need Walker. Like this ranger pulling me over. Oh, I see the created by Vertigo logo. That's really nice. It looks sharp yeah, on the you. startup sequence. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You can, cool. you can ride a motorcycle without a helmet here, by the way. You can ride a motorcycle without a helmet, but you can talk on a yeah. cell phone? Is that it? That's, uh, I think you can do hands-free. I, I know you can't text. You can't text. So the real question is, can you... Can you talk on a... Yeah, if you, of course, if you don't have a helmet on your motorcycle, then you can talk on a cell phone. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you don't have a helmet on a motorcycle, they might have other distractions. <laughs> because the bugs are enormous. You catch one little uh, cicada in your teeth, and you're going off the road. Nice. Yeah, there are means of transportation down there, I know. <laughs> and there's scorpions here. We had a scorpion in the driveway. Crazy. So- They're actually a lot smaller than I thought. I'm uh, I'm looking at your Wimbledon coverage system, and I can see I get to choose what court I want to watch, uh-huh. and uh, what uh, and it, it you know our internet bandwidth here isn't that great. We're doing a lot of things at once, but it's absolutely right. solid. Obviously, you're doing smooth streaming, right? This is this, this is the way television should getting? be. Are you getting about one and a half megs per second? It doesn't. Uh, does it say what's the uh, uh, What's the shortcut key? Bit rate meter in the, hover over the bitrate meter in the lower right-hand corner. Lower right-hand corner is a bitrate meter? It's like a little signal strength indicator. Oh, that you see I in a cell see it. Yeah, like a cell phone. Yeah. And you just got, we just got an impression when you hovered over that. Nice. And it says created by Vertigo. 2.1 yep. megabits. I'm getting full rate. Pretty good. You go, if you go full screen, you might get up to 3.5, and that's the minimum you need for high definition. So it's 3.5 million bits per second will get you enough quality to watch the content at 720 vertical lines of resolution. Wow. I have an update on the Sarbanes-Oxley story. Yeah. Apparently, it's just part of the Sox Act. They struck it down saying a section of the landmark law enacted after the corporate governance scandals of the early 2000s violates the Constitution's separation of powers mandate. Um And the challenge to the act was brought by the Free Enterprise Fund, a group that focuses on limited government and tax relief. The group calls the act a disaster for American businesses. But um, what does it say? Chief Justice John Roberts, writing for the majority, said the structure of the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board created by Sox violated the Constitution. It is too difficult for the president to remove board members. So it isn't that Sox is dead. It's, it looks like a very, very small piece of it, but the whole act remains fully operative as a law. So false alarm there. Wow. Interesting. But that was really engaging. Thank you. <laughs> this is what you get when you listen to Carl and Richard. There you go. <laughs> so, of course, I'm very familiar with your player from the Winter Olympics. I see improvements here in the Wimbledon yeah, one. This yeah. is not the same. Well, we're using the second version of our Silverlight Media Framework that we built from Microsoft. You can get it at yeah. smf, smf.coplex.com. I think that, I'm not sure if the second version's up, so we're, we're using a new version. Also, this is like our third or fourth event since the Olympics, and so we've, we've learned a few things since then. Um, I think, you know, we, um, there are some simplifications, I think, on the system. Uh, actually, if you go full screen, you'll notice there's no um, ignoring banner at the top pull that off. There is a banner on the top, but I can pull it off? You can tell he's on an iPhone, right? 
<laughs> oh, did I say that out loud? He's on an iPhone in Texas. <laughs> yeah, iPhone. There oh. he goes. Put him down, Brandon. <laughs> Call him back. <laughs> our first, our first guest goes down, and he's on an iPhone. There you go. After all that iPhone slamming, we finally uh, got this. You know, it's unbelievable how good this video is. Watching Wimbledon, you know, more or less live on your machine on wireless and it just works and i can pick you know i can pick what channel you i want to watch Stanfield, you can leave me a message here Voicemail. or send me email <laughs> Scott at there you go that's not gonna do <laughs> so i see the watch video um and i was looking at socks when you were when you're doing that but yeah. these look like I, i'm not seeing a live stream uh it's a why the it was in the top right hand corner right on the home page of of uh, nbc sports Oh, I'm at Wimbledon.org. So oh, okay. where is it? Where is it again? I, I went to NBCSports.com NBC and right in the top right-hand corner, there was a thing that said Wimbledon Watch Live. But it's great to see Vertigo. You know, I thought we were the only people who knew about Vertigo for all this time. And they're now starting to put the, you know, think about it. That Vertigo logo now is anybody watching online, watching Wimbledon now, is going to be able to see that logo. So, you know, we're going to know Scott wh- back when, you know, we're going to be one of the people who say, oh, that's oh, yeah. crazy. We know who this guy is. He's the guy. And this is his company. And it's pretty awesome. And this is my machine, I think. I will mute that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm watching baboons, a baboon showing me his testicles. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And, it, and it, for better or worse, Scott told us about this, was this, you know, that this whole engine that he's got up on Coplex is all about. Yep. The ad engine yeah, part, that's right. right? Being able to, to put advertising in properly and inline data streams and yeah. um and advertising. Yeah, the whole idea is that you want to be able to uh show ads and not be able to skip over them. Right. The other thing he's done is he's got the video That looks amazing. Sitting behind you can always look at the schedule, pop the schedule back up, and it's just astonishingly good. Scott, we've hey. just been raving about your uh, your player. Now that I've gone full screen and I can see that I can oh, yeah. look at the schedule overlaid hey. over top of the uh, the actual event uh, um, video playing at the same time. It's a slick little thing. It's uh, it's it's good. Hey, I'm sorry I, I got dropped. Um, I hit an armadillo. What? You didn't really <laughs> hit an armadillo. <laughs> You're from Northern California. You'd be way more upset than that if you'd hit an armadillo. Maybe it's a water buffalo. I'm not sure about the flora and fauna out here. <laughs> you are in Texas. We just said, oh, he's on an iPhone. No wonder. I love when you hover over the, uh, what are those, little bars down in the right-hand corner. A little thing pops up that says created by Vertigo. I think that's we, what you were talking about, Richard. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, it, and this means everybody in the world is going to start to know the name Vertigo. And it uses adaptive streaming? Uh, smooth streaming. Smooth Adaptive streaming? streaming would be the gen- generic term for the technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, smooth streaming. IIS smooth streaming. It's good stuff. It's a lot more, um, you know, during, I was watching the World Cup, and it was using Flash's adaptive streaming. And um, there's, look, there are a lot of things that can cause problems with it. We found it to be very jittery, the adaptive streaming. Um, we were using uh, whatever the ESPN player was. And... Um, but during the same time, we were watching the U.S. Open, which we also did for NBC, and it looked great. You know what the world needs? More, more live sports on the Internet? Well, no, and an RSS feed that, that categorizes where all the live events are happening 
And where are the URLs? Good idea. That's a good idea. Now, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be frustrating to people that are listening overseas because the way licensing rights work just in general is that it's, per, it's, it's licensed per country. Right. And so a lot of the stuff that we do for NBC and CBS is only going to be good for the U.S. market. Right, and of course, Which is, I'm in the U.S. because I'm here with Carl, so I didn't even think of this, but Rob Windsor just messaged us about this and said, mm-hmm. it's Flash in Canada because it's on TSN. Exactly. Now, the, the funny thing is, it could have been Silver in Canada because CTV, although it's not on CTV in Canada, right? I think, I don't know, I, I lose track of the licensing rights, but CTV used our same Silverlight player for the Olympics. Right. But they got, they got to watch everything. They had all, you know, every single live hour, where in the U.S. it was restricted to just curling and hockey, even though, you know, we had all the, we had the technology to do it. It's just it, it wasn't licensed appropriately. And it's, this is like, remember, too, that just the fact that we can even do live Internet is a fairly recent phenomenon, maybe about two to three years old to get right. an HD. But these contracts are negotiated three or four or five years ago as part, part of a multi-year deal. So uh, it's just like, remember, like book publishing and how long it really kind of, yeah, as an author, I remember some authors were able to uh, retain all their digital rights yeah, the publisher at the time didn't even understand it and didn't care. Right. I think it's the same thing. And honestly, they're not making a lot of money on the, the live Internet stuff. No, in uh, fact, they, it's costing them money, isn't it? It is costing money. It's not cheap to put these on. Essentially, what has to happen, especially in the case of Wimbledon, they, you can't easily do satellites from London to the U.S. So I think they're doing the transcoding on-site in Wimbledon, and they're, they're sending the digital signal back to the U.S., and so there's going to be a little bit of extra latency. But, you know, you could, in the U.S. at the very least, rent a satellite, uh, rent some time on a satellite, send a signal up, bring it back down to our colleagues' uh, ice cream planet in, in Las Vegas. They have a room where they can tune their satellite. They literally have dishes on the roof. And they tune into the satellite, take the satellite feed, and, and trans- convert it to uh, smooth streaming using some hardware from a company called Inlet. And then they take that signal and pipe it up to Akamai, where our player goes and retrieves it. So there's at least four or five companies involved just in getting the live signal uh, back out. And any one of those points can fail. And, you know, that's, it happens all the time. It's, it's not rocket science. Yet. It is rocket science. <laughs> Still rocket science. As much as we want to believe it's just going to work. But yeah, I got to think that as all these contracts go by... Yeah, you, you, it feels to me like you're the pioneer here. You've been breaking all this ground, making this technology really work, getting more people interested in it. So as these contracts finally expire, are we going to see some more monetization or focus and different kinds of deals for Internet video? I, I think so. Here's, at, at the end of all this, it's not really going to change the nature of live sports itself. I think it, it, you know, you know, FIFA is not going to change just because they can broadcast it on the Internet. Um, what is going to change are the, the ability for the, the licensees of the content, in this case in the USABC, they can go to their, um, to, their, to their big advertisers like Adidas and say, look, we're, we're able to get all this extra traffic on the Internet. Why don't you actually create an experience that's a little bit better than a stupid banner ad? Mm. Do something innovative and interesting. And where we're seeing advertising innovation right now is on the iPhone, believe it or not. The iAd platform is really intriguing. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. We've been blown away by the uptake and the quick adoption of Silverlight. 
It's no secret, though, that the platform didn't provide for consistent integration with the web analytics services. Well, not anymore. As you might have already heard, Microsoft announced its Silverlight Analytics Framework, which solves the above-mentioned problem. But what's also interesting is that Telerik already provides support for the framework. Telerik's the first UI components vendor to offer handlers for the Silverlight Analytics Framework. Using RAD controls for Silverlight, you can immediately benefit from the advantages of the platform and start tracking the statistics of your applications. You can read details and download the handlers at Telerik.com slash Silverlight. And hey, don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET Rocks on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash Telerik. Okay, this is the first time we've heard about this on .NET Rocks, the iAd platform. Yeah, check this out. So if you've got a million dollars, you can pay. If you have a million dollars and you have a big brand like GM, you can pay Apple to be part of an early access program to their iAd platform. And right now, I think they've got 50 big brands signed up, maybe somewhere between 20 and 50. And I don't know what the, the CPM, like kind of what rate they're getting for the exposure, but here, here's, the, here's the crazy thing. So with three or four, the, the SDK for IAD, if, if you, let me back up, you want to have a free application on the uh, iPhone. And this is a good model for Windows Phone 7, so it's all mm-hmm. uh, applicable. It appears that the model is you have a free application that's advertising supported, and you have a premium version of the app that people pay for, which has extra features and maybe advertising disabled. Right. That, that kind of two-tier two model seems to be working pretty well. Right. So if you want to have a free app or you want to be advertising supported you, and there's no existing network, you have to go and like, sign up your own people, you know, call a few people, hey, I'm building this app, do so you want to advertise on it? And I'll keep track of impressions. You've got to trust me that I'm actually getting these eyeballs. That's a pain in the butt. You don't really want to have to do that because you don't have access to this advertising network. Right. Instead, with about three lines of Objective-C code using the IAD SDK, I mean, the, literally, the SDK for the, for the consumption side of it is about three or four API entry points. You, if you, the tags of your application, let's say you're under sports and maybe you're like a soccer game, then let's say Adidas is one of the people that ponied up a lot of money with Apple to be part of this exclusive IAD experience, then there's a good chance that your uh, IAD SDK will be targeted for an ad for, for, for uh, um, Adidas. For Adidas, yeah. yeah. So they get this, this little rectangle in the corner. Now here's the catch. This is the thing I think is very interesting. Uh, Apple is responsible right now for the quality bar and the content of the ads. So think about that for a second. Apple is actually creating the initial set of interactive advertisements for the platform. So right now, these 20 to 50 big advertisers, they're paying Apple for premier early access to the platform. And Apple is working with a couple of agencies to create this interaction experience. And the ad I saw for the Nissan Leaf and for Toy Story 3 is really, really good. Now what that's going to do... Just like RIA technologies and Silverlight and Flash kind of got people to, to wake up on the advertising front to do things more interesting than animated GIFs, it's causing brands to think about how to have a better brand, engaged brand experience than some you know, animated GIF ad. Right. So they're innovating on that side, and they're also making it, so not only are they giving the brands a great experience by basically doing the work for them, which is interesting in itself, but they're also making it trivial for free ads to support the ads. And I think if... If I serve up an Adidas ad, I'll get, I forgot how much money you get. It's like, 
40 cents or a buck or I, they announced it. I don't really remember what it is, but mm. you know, it's almost irrelevant. The, 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 the takeaways are they have an aggressive mobile advertising platform and the ads are actually very good. Mm. And those two combinations are scary. Speaking about advertising, it, it's become abundantly clear to to us certainly and to I think the, the industry as a whole in the last several years that banner advertising is complete waste of time. Do you think? Yeah, they, it, yeah, it's low value, and, and the advertisers know it. They don't pay a lot have, for it. And, and you know, if you get a room of people together and ask, has have any of you ever clicked on a banner ad? You know, you'll you'll might get one person. I mean, like the the percentages are extremely low. And I notice, you know, in your Vertigo player, you know, the 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 trend, and not only that, but you know, on uh, you uh, stream or um, what's the what's the one where all the television Hulu? Because I don't go there. I can't yeah, remember. Hulu. Yeah, yeah, Hulu. Hulu is a big one. Basically, you have to watch the ad first. You have to yeah, watch. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and I saw that also in your in your Vertigo thing. And so, ads in videos. Do you think this is uh, a very penetrable ad medium, and what about audio? I mean, because obviously we're an audio show. Advertising is a big part of us. You know, we sell advertising, but we're always, you know, we're always thinking about uh, ad effectiveness, and also we don't want to annoy our listeners. You know, so we 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 opted for the sort of the NPR approach of just yeah. very low key ads sparsed in, you know, quick enough so that the message gets through, but it's not annoying enough so that you want to skip through it. I mean, what what are your thoughts on effectiveness in advertising? Well, a couple thoughts. I remember when I first started seeing advertisements on ASP.net about five years ago, banner ads. I was like, ah, this is icky. I didn't like it. And, you know, fast forward to now, it's just it's just the way, if, if we all like this free internet content and access, this is the thing we got to put up with. It's just a fact of life. And they, look, advertisers have been doing this a lot longer than we've been doing the Internet. Right. And it's effective, and it works. Now, I think the key to being successful is if you understand your audience and you respect your audience. Right. And you guys know your audience and respect them, mm. which means you're not going to have an advertisement for $5 off of Chili's, you know, Buffalo Wings. It's, right. You know, it, it's going to be something that's a bit more specific, and that's actually a higher value not only to your advertisers, it's a higher value to the listeners. Absolutely, and that's why we've been selective about who we let advertise. And it's, it's, again, it's a much higher value. And that, I, I think you'll get more money out of it, and I think that your listeners will appreciate it. And, an honest, and it's an honest thing. It's not, I, I think what Hulu did well is that their ads aren't 30 seconds long. You know, the standard format for a commercial, there's two. There's 15 seconds and 30 seconds. Just throwing up a 30-second commercial is too long. Yeah. Now, now, if you really want to watch the, the the World Cup and it's your last chance to watch the U.S. lose, you're probably <laughs> nice. going to watch the commercial. <laughs> you know, if, if, if it's so special and specific, you're going to sit through the ad. But if it's ephemeral and it's something that you kind of wandered upon on a lark, you're probably not going to sit through it. Now, MSNBC has seven to fifteen second ads, and I really like those. I'll yeah. sit through a seven second ad. A seven second ad is just long enough. It's already two seconds have gone by before I even realize it's an ad. Then by the time I go up to the URL to change, I'm like, okay, I can wait five or six more seconds. I really think that's the point that we're at with advertising, is that we've got a seven-second or to 15-second window or mentality. Now, that's called pre-roll. 
That's the video that you get before you get your content. Um, a mid-roll ad is something that pops up randomly in between while you're watching. Like, let's cut to a commercial break. That's called a mid-roll. Um, those will become, you know, Pandora does it with audio. Um, you guys technically could have done it just now at the half-hour mark by just kind of inserting a plug for one of your sponsors, which I think is totally cool. Um, <laughs> so th- those, those, models, those models work because you can translate them to a digital, you can translate them to the Internet, but more importantly, the industry knows how to sell them. So the, the content platforms and the brands that want to buy time, they already understand that concept. Yeah. What they don't understand are these kind of rich, interactive experiences. I've got a little Nissan Leaf. If you yeah. have a chance, you should go and watch, fast forward 45 to 50 minutes into the keynotes, I was listening to an uh, NPR discussion about the Leaf today. It did. Yeah, it, well, the car itself looks pretty cool. But to see the ad that they created, uh, you kind of owe it to yourself, number one, just to see what's possible. Um, number two, it actually looks like a pretty cool car. Mm. But what that's going to do is force uh, kind of a higher tier of engagement. It's going to force brands to be a bit more honest with what they have. I saw a Rascal Flats television commercial for Hershey's Chocolate Bars. Yeah. And they were, like, stranded on the side of the road, and they're making s'mores, and these girls pull up and pick up to join them in a cookout. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty silly ad. Well, I you know, it's, it. it's either got to be entertaining or it's got to be get your attention like a, like a car wreck, you know. But uh, we have yeah. a uh, Skype caller online. Jaspio, go ahead. I uh, just had a question. Um, we've, been, we've been watching uh, soccer here in Holland because we're doing pretty good. And we just, uh, yeah. we just won another game, 2-0. Awesome. That's, That's why right. we won. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Uh, we're favorites anyway. But anyway, most of us are actually watching it on uh, on the uh, NOS, which is like our, our local uh, TV uh, channel for like our state channel. And they use a silver light player too. And one okay. of the funny things that they did is that they, they blocked uh, the amount of people that can actually watch it. So they limited it to 100, 180,000 uh, callers. Wow! Hmm. Wow! Yeah. So that's interesting. Uh, and I'm just I, wondering how much, how many, how many viewers you your sites actually get. That's a really good question. So um, I don't know what content provider they're using. Um, first of all, congratulations on the win. I, I wish I knew Thanks. what it was like. <laughs> um, <laughs> frustrating, frustrating for us. Uh, the um, US did well. Yeah, yeah, I know they did well. But um, well, the uh, reason they're doing that. There's a couple things. It ensures a certain minimum quality of service for all the customers that are watching. We were going to do that with Sunday Night Football in the Olympics. It's called a waiting room. You basically just cut it off at a certain amount and say, we're, we're going to cap it at this. But the reason they do that is if you take that number and then multiply it by 3.5 megabits per second. So what did you say, 100,000 times 3 megabits per 180. second? 180,000. So it's called 2. So 6 was that, six, 6 with a lot of zeros trailing it. Um, yeah. they have to they have to pay they have to pay for that bandwidth and it's very very expensive very expensive and so they might be using Akamai they might be using a European provider and someone probably made a business decision they thought look we get 180,000 um, uh, simultaneous viewers we can monetize it like this per hour and we know we'll make X amount of money but the bandwidth is the thing that kills them because it's a point to point connection essentially right. and they're going to pay a Big bill to a content distribution network. Well, we we only we we managed ninety thousand, so it wasn't that bad. You got what? We got ninety thousand for the last game. Ninety thousand simultaneous viewers. 
right? That's pretty good. Yeah, that's a pretty good number, actually. Um, okay. It's uh, but yeah, I think the reason they're 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 limiting it's good they're using Silverlight, but they're probably limiting it based on bandwidth. Now, here's the thing: they can. It's actually really tricky to tell your CDN. Look, if I get more than a certain number of customers, the next batch of customers just give them a lower bandwidth experience. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. They don't really have that fine degree of control. But it's it can okay. be a scary thing just to see that number go up and up. When we launched uh, Playboy Archive at Mix, that day we served a trillion bytes of information, a trillion. And had we not That's prepared amazing. for this ahead of time, we could have got an enormous bill. But to see a terabyte of data served in one day, and these are all you know images and some text. Let's be honest, there's a lot of text in Playboy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I read it for the articles. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> uh, that's cool. I was the belief. Thank you for the call. Okay, thank you. Great call, actually. A terabyte in a day, huh? Yeah, yeah. Thank God I wasn't on the hook for that bill. You know, the other side I was thinking here was that that 180,000 connection cap could be a bandwidth cap. Could be, I, we don't want to spend more than this on this free yeah. service. So they're ma- yeah, they're setting it. maximums for their costs. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a stop limit. Yeah. Um. And here's the thing, if they had it monetized with the correct financial model behind it, and they had enough sponsors kind of lined up, then the sky's the limit. Right. I mean, here's the thing, if, you, why, if you've really got another 50,000 people that want to watch it, and you have someone that's willing to underwrite the cost, that's pretty good. I mean, you've got a targeted audience, you know the country, yep. and you have other demographics, and you know they're going to be watching it for a couple hours straight. What's the harm in a little brand? By the way, I don't really like advertising. I'm not a... I'm not an advertising guy. It's just kind of the, the reality that we're in. Yeah. All the hobbyist programmers, here's another point, the, ho- the people that kind of hack around this st- on this stuff for fun, the hobbyist programmers are moving to a mobile platform to get their kicks. And they're doing that, in my opinion, number one, it's, it's, it's great to get your ego out there because a lot of people can see it. And number two, you can actually make a little bit of money from it. Right. Or at least there's a promise, there's a... There's a mystique that you can actually make money from it. I'd also say this. It's one of the very few areas of development today where one to four people can make a world-class app. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I've done enough work with guys like Electronic Arts to know it's a 300-person job to build a top-tier Xbox app today. That's right. right? And and it's a million and a half dollars, two million dollars to do development and a year. And here we are seeing, you know, you look at the very popular iPhone apps that are out there. It's two guys. Yeah. I, I was playing this game last night called Elise, E-L-I-S-S. It's a little vector art game for the iPhone that could very easily be ported to Windows Phone 7 and Android. I paid him five bucks. Nice. I paid him a couple screenshots and a review, and it's a very enjoyable game. And it's a one-person game. And you guys will look at it, and you'll go, Elise, I could have built that in a few months. Heck, it's vector graphics. Yeah. But it's a very, you know, it's, it's, I think this is the next kind of dot-com land grab. I think there are going to be a lot of people that go and try to make mobile apps where they just get lost in the noise. And there's going to be a handful of people that figure it out. But the game changer is that, at least with the advertising, you have a way to kind of do it where you're not completely exposed. You have a way to where you can generate maybe enough to cover your operating expenses. And I'm sure Microsoft will have something similar, and I know Google does. So what about the WinPhone 7, oh, iPhone yeah. aficionado? Well, we're, well I, I know, we know a bit about it. We're actually developing a few applications for it right now. Nice. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's got one enormous 
Look, here's two axioms. Okay, number one, it will be the best Microsoft phone ever. I already punched Daniel Egan for using that line, mm. but he says it's the, it's the oh, best Windows phone Daniel. I've ever used. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh boy! So it's the it's the phone that kicked <laughs> in the nuts the least. How nice! <laughs> yeah. I actually stole that line from Daniel. That is too funny. No, uh, is it? Is it really? I seriously, got I seriously got that line from Daniel because oh. I was I was getting all frothy and red in the face and said, look, 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 it's the best Microsoft phone ever, right? I'm like, okay, right. Yeah. So it's a starting point. If they if they nail every single feature in every single deadline and meet the targets that they want to meet, they still ship two to four years behind. I mean, it will by the time it comes out, I believe it's going to feel like a couple to four years behind of what we're used to today. Okay, but it's a start. That's number one. Number two, it has got the best development platform going. That oh, yeah. I really believe. What we're able to do in Silverlight for mobile is amazing. It would be even more amazing if we actually had a phone to test it on. <laughs> you are not alone, my friend. So if, if Brandon Watson or Tom Trenier are listening, we, we ping them once a week. Guys, are we going to get our phones? And, it, and, and I'm sure it's like everybody else. Even, even Vertigo doesn't have phones, and we're one of the, the top Silverlight partners for Windows Phone 7. So, well, near as we can tell, nobody outside of Microsoft themselves has phones. They, Daniel yeah. Egan has yep. a phone. He's an employee, right? I mean, that's it. That's all who the people who have phones at this particular moment. Yeah, but if, if Daniel's wearing sandals, you look, he's missing his right toe. <laughs> <laughs> there is a, I got it. He, he gets one, it back when he returns the phone. Is that uh, it? Yeah, one toe per phone. No, I, <laughs> yeah, it's... But I, I'm sure you know, they're trying to balance early access versus a solid platform. My biggest fear is they ship, and it's just a dud. That is, I mean, that's like the doomsday scenario. Because Azure, I don't know, it, Azure doesn't feel like it quite has really captured the imagination and the hearts and minds of developers. Uh, Windows 7 was good, okay? so we're, we're happy with that. Yep. It's going to be a while before we see Windows 8. Um, Right now, all the tension is on mobile and HTML5. And yeah, with so really far, we is. have no, no air cover from really any big tools on HTML5. So that leaves mobile. And if they do a good job, everyone that's listening to this call, because I'm sure a lot of them are Silverlight developers, are going to be very well positioned to do apps for it. Right. And I think the enterprise space is one area where I know Apple is not really paying much attention to. No. They, haven't, they, they finally have an over-the-air provisioning system. They have a story for enterprise development. But what we have is the ability to easily build apps that talk to the enterprise. You know, we, we're, we're, it's the same .NET platform on both sides, essentially. And we can use our you know, trusty old connected systems frameworks and do some really amazing Internet apps. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, enterprise apps. So I think that will be a fairly safe area. Yeah, and you'll have this ability to build a Silverlight app that runs in the browser, yeah. out of the browser, or on the phone. That's right. Now, the out-of-browser stuff, I think, is going to be very interesting. Uh, I think it's it's an area that came out in Silverlight 3. We showed it off at the mix when they launched Silverlight 3 with KEXP, a radio station um, out of Seattle. Um, I don't think out-of-browser has really gotten the, um, the momentum that it deserves, but I think it's something, especially if you're building an app for a customer, an enterprise, basically a non-consumer-facing app, right. you should really consider it with Silverlight. Did you hear that bug? No. Hear this. Oh wow! I, I'm outside. I'm actually outside, and there's these, these cicadas. Oh, now oh, I yeah. hear it. Yeah. Did you hear that? I'm yeah. gonna try to find them. 
It's either a cicada or a rattlesnake. I'm going to go look for him. <laughs> well, it'll all depend on your reaction in the next moment or two. Yeah, I'm walking over to it. By the way, if I, if I collapse, it's from either from heat stroke or from the uh, rattlesnake. Uh, here it is. I found the tree with it. All right, so where was I? You're like the crocodile hunter, you know? <laughs> Good God, do you hear that? Yeah. I'm right under the tree. Okay. <laughs> I'm approaching the rattlesnake. <laughs> oh, he's a beauty. Oh, look at that guy. <laughs> Crikey. Crikey. <laughs> I think I spooked him. All right, I'll stand under the tree. At least it's in the shade. Nice. So, uh, yeah, Silverlight. But but think about what we're saying here. Silverlight for the web. I see it. I see Silverlight for the public web being great for live video. I see Silverlight for the enterprise being this untapped riches, and as so, Silverlight for mobile development, but Silverlight as a flash kind of replacement, it, everybody's going to HTML5. Right. So IE9 just shipped uh, their third beta preview with the much-anticipated Canvas support, and it's the Canvas support that was kind of a missing link to give you a lot of the, um, the features that you need to be kind of somewhat compatible with Silverlight, uh, at least at first blush. So that's that's a big improvement. That's a big hurrah. I think we're going to wow. see more and more. It's an interesting time to be a Microsoft developer. I'll tell you that. Without yeah, that's that. You know, if there's one common theme that has evolved throughout this whole live weekend, Richard, I think it's what's going on with HTML5, and will Microsoft pick it up and support it? So that answer is yes. They've already announced. They're, will they're we? Uh, what all, I mean by all in with what I mean by support is, will we be able to build HTML5 apps in Visual Studio? Uh, no, that's a good question. You can do that right now. We oh, can. You can do that now in Visual yeah, Studio. Yeah, it's just tags because because yeah, you're tags and JavaScript. So you're really building an ASP.NET website on the back end and HTML5 on the front end. That's right. So you can do HTML5 today. I'm going to do this. I, I think Rich, we're, we're going to. I've done a couple of code camps, or well, one about HTML5, right. Central Coast, and I, I have this thing like here's here's how to HTML5 up a page in like 30 seconds. Here are like a few changes to technically be HTML5 compatible. Nice. But now I mean, to really to really do it, you need JavaScript support. And right. If you want to do an ASP.NET, you need the server side controls to emit. Right. Yeah, you know, exactly. Emit and and designer support is really the thing. I mean, anybody can write the text, you know, but that's right. You know, the, the, the great thing about Visual Studio is the rapid application development. Will we have that yeah. kind of, you know? And, and really what, what's going to happen is that the, right now we talk about being a .NET developer or a Java developer or a Cocoa developer. In the future, if you're an HTML5, you're going to be a prototype developer. You're going to be a jQuery developer. Your, your mental space will be associated not with HTML5, but with the JavaScript library that you use to get the most out of it. Interesting. You know, here, and, and you just sort of hit on an interesting idea here, Carl. Web forms controls that emit HTML5. Hello, Telerik, are you listening? Yeah, well, just that <laughs> whole idea of I don't want to learn HTML. Yep. Now, now the abstraction layer that is web forms control, which we've mocked in so many different ways. Yeah. Simply, yeah. I don't have to learn anything new, that mm. I could just update my controls, continue to build my pages as always, and they would be HTML5. Mm. The question is, would that actually be any good? Well, the thing is, yeah. I mean, what's great about HTML5 is the rich graphic experience. And would we be able to create designers that can, you know, sufficiently emulate that? And okay, Well, so I, I actually, l- let me add something to that. I think what's, yeah. don't lose the fact that the semantic support HTML5 is really good. 
And this is the fact that you can have, so a lot of the HTML5 family, let's talk about the family for a second. Yeah, you get the, intera- the rich interaction that you might get with a plug-in right. through uh, Canvas tags and some transition support in CSS. There's a lot of great features in CSS, but there are other things like um, local storage and a local database. Um, you know, I, the, Google has a site where they've collected a bunch of great-looking HTML5 stuff. It's called HTML5. Oh, I don't remember the name. It's not HTML5 Rocks. It's probably you guys, but uh, <laughs> what the heck is it? That's our new show. <laughs> yeah. It's something like, actually, it's not a bad idea. Like, but they, they've collected a bunch of other stuff out there. And once you walk through some of these demos and you can see, I can do a select statement in JavaScript and hit a local storage database in my browser. Yeah, HTML5gallery.com. That's one of them. Yeah. There's, um, if you go to uh, delicious.com slash Scott Stanfield, that's where I have a bunch of curated HTML5 links. You might find it off of there. Okay. Um, but in any event, there, there's that stuff out there. But as developers start to pay attention to it, you realize there's a lot to it, more so than just a couple of new HTML5 tags. Right. They've, they've cleaned up a lot of stuff. It's a lot less verbose. That whole boarded ex- experiment around XHTML right. is still out there. But the most important thing is they've, synced, they've codified error handling, so the DOM knows what to do if it encounters a page it doesn't know how to render, versus just kind of half-ass, do it, and then... As a developer, you have to code around all these different experiences. For the next 10 years, though, we are going to be writing multiple cross-browser experiences. Oh, yeah. No, I, I do. I, I've, I've been whining about the fact that we're about to do, after 10 years of having HTML4 and it more or less being level, we're about to jump back to 1996 and the browser chaos of writing right. all this conditional code, depending on what browser you're running in. You know, it was the, Justin yeah. who phoned in on the previous show who said? I want more phone and callers. Yeah, who, and he's had a, he had a very interesting line. He said, "What if what if you could convert Silverlight to HTML5? What if we could parse XAML into HTML5?" Yeah, I, I'm not sure that the the semantics are there. I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, these are just Turing machines, so you can probably do anything. Yeah. But whether or not you get this kind of monster that really works, um, I don't know. It, you get some nice benefits out of the box of just being SEO friendly. Yeah. With HTML, um, especially if you're using the new semantic tags. I think it's nice. I like it. I, I really, there's so many things clamoring for my attention right now. There's mobile development, there's HTML5, there's Azure. I'm pacing. There's so much to do. Things do not get easier for us. No, HTML. Things were easy when it was Windows.h. That was easy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Andrew.hey in the IRC channel uh, threw up the link HTML5rocks.com. Uh, Thanks, Andrew. He's one of my employees in my new in my Portland office. Oh, oh there you go. They're listening. Yeah, cool. Yeah, well, oh, it's fun times, guys. Without a doubt, and we're about out of time as well. Any final shout-outs? What are you going to be up to next, there, Mister Samfield? Next. Yeah, what's the next sporting event? Uh, Sunday night football is a big one. Yeah, that's yeah. That's, that's the big that's the big event for NBC. We'll probably have some more events along the way. Um, CBS remains a good client. We hope to do March Madness again. They're, they're licensing that through Turner in the U.S. So those are always fun. And we always want to keep pushing the envelope because we're basically taking a TiVo-style interface plus a broadcasting mentality and banner ads and jamming them all together for the Internet. I actually think we could take a step back and really rethink this whole business and have a better experience. I want, I'll know that we've done our job when given a choice between watching live TV or sporting events on the Internet versus watching it on your 56-inch HD television, hmm. I'll know if we do a good job if you'd rather watch it on the Internet. 
Nice. We got a long way to go. Um, to go. Summer 2012 Olympics. Do you got them? Will you do them? Will they be great? <sighs> totally want to do it. It'll be fantastic. London will be off the hook. There's about three times as many viewers for the winter uh, summer Olympics in general. Yeah. And um, uh, the guy that, that runs Universal Sports, he's the guy, Perkins Miller, he's the guy that got up in front of everybody at Mix with Scott Guthrie and talked about their support. NBC is a very loyal uh, uh, fan of Silverlight and Smooth Streaming. They, they figured out how to, how to work with it and make money with it. And I, I don't see why we can't do it. We had a, a flawless, flawless Winter Olympics. And to have 17 days of working with a great team, you know, we got a lot of folks at Vertigo that put a lot of their hearts into that project, and it came off great. And I think we have a good shot at uh, continuing keeping in silver light and doing some amazing things. Scott, you are my hero. Keep it up. Thanks, guys. Will do. All right. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a, a time bomb.